0: Lucas, are
1: you in the mood for an epic clapback? Oh my goodness gracious. I mean, it depends on whom it's directed to. Is the clapback headed towards me?
0: No, 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 no,
1: not not you or me, but it does
0: involve the show that we're talking about.
1: Arthur clapped back.
0: Yes, Arthur did clap back against someone that- Dare I say that's T. It's not, it's you know, it's not my business whether or not to determine what is or isn't he. But it is, it, is, it is happening this week. It came up in, you know, the Google search that I get emails about whenever somebody talks about Arthur PBS. Mostly it's like the town of Port Arthur or this person named Arthur who was on this PBS documentary. No, in this case, there was an article about how the Arthur TikTok account... Decided to uh, take a shot at Elon Musk
1: Whoa. in one of its TikToks. What are they talking about? The the release of the Cyber Truck? What what's what is? Yeah, give me the details, Will. I'm very confused.
0: So there is Ar- Arthur the brand is on TikTok. It creates TikTok videos. There's actually a recent peanut butter camera video about the Arthur TikTok account and kind of what it's doing over there. They created a, tried to create a viral dance with DW recently. I follow one of the social media content creators for Arthur on uh, on Twitter, or X, and they decided, the team behind Arthur, decided to make a TikTok that was clowning on Elon Musk about all the advertisers that are leaving X because he's really bad at his job. It uses a clip from the episode, What Is That Thing?, which is from season four, episode nine. And it's near the end of the episode when all of the kids are saying, maybe there's something to be learned from all this. And the text on the screen is like, advertisers leaving X. Maybe there's something to be learned from all this. And then Elon Musk, nah.
1: Got him. Got him. Well, they really really memed on the guy. Yeah, and here we well, are. I, I, it's funny we've seen kind of a saturation of the Arthur memes. It was one of the things to inspire this podcast, but we haven't really seen them weaponized.
0: When you and I see the memes, they're,
1: they sometimes
0: they can have a target, but that's because anybody can make a meme. Anybody can direct it at anybody. We've like we've done that before on our social media. It's rare for a essentially a children's television show to take aim at somebody so freely and in the news, like. So, I'm, I, I, I'm guessing, you know, that that TikTok is not for the kids, I don't think. That one's for you and me, for the adults.
1: Uh, I'll say, if they're going to start if clapping back, as you put it, um, I hope the next person the Arthur TikTok account goes for is someone... You know, they have to make good what they have wrought upon the world. And I'm talking about Steven Crowder. I think the Arthur yeah. TikTok account... We need to write... The wrongs of the past in that, you know, Stephen Crowder's fame is in part due to Arthur. If you go back far enough. Yeah. Um, and you know what they say when in movies and stuff when they're like, I'm the person who made him and I got to take them out. Uh, <laughs> well, I think it's time for Arthur uh, to clap back at one Stephen Crowder.
0: Well, if any of the Arthur content creators are listening to this podcast, by the way, this is Elwood City Limits Elwood City Limits, the episodic Arthur podcast, feel free to take that idea and run with it. If you're, if you're aiming to aim at people, Stephen Crowder, Lucas, that's inspired. I think that some good could really be done here uh, in taking that guy down at least one peg. Uh, Will Young here with Lucas Mancini. The bad news for this episode is that there's really not a whole lot separating us from actually talking about the episode of Arthur. That we have this week, you know, we don't have any emails. Remember, if you want to send emails, you can send it over to Elwood City Limits at gmail.com. I wanted to start hot with that Arthur news item. I always appreciate when Arthur makes the news, but eventually we're going to have to talk about this episode. I will say, Lucas, if you don't mind, I'll just quickly uh, talk about Patreon.com slash Elwood City Limits. We're coming up near the end of December. Um... As I said in the last couple of episodes, we're taking a little bit of time off as we get to the end of the end of the month. Patrons, you're going to be looked after. Free feed, you're going to be looked after. Um, we're not going to be having a typical episode uh, release at the end of the month here. I am going to be releasing a list, and I'll, t- I'll tell you what it is. I don't mean to be mysterious about it. You know, you're going to be seeing this next Friday, patrons, instead of a typical episode. Um, Elwood City Limits or rather you are going to be (laughs) see even I get confused with the schedule sometimes you will be having one more Elwood City Limits episode after this one and you're also going to get a ECL Origins written list and it is my ranking of every episode of Batman the Animated Series. I spent a good year watching that show off and on and I was keeping a note on my phone as to the ranking of episodes and if you're interested in watching Batman the Animated Series, fantastic show, terrific show, love it, one of my favorites. Then you may want to know, it's so big, it's so sprawling, When like which ones should you prioritize? Well, I will tell you in this list that is coming your way, patrons, right around Christmas time. So, hope that you are excited for it, I hope that you enjoy it, and you know, in the future, maybe doing more written content as well. But this one felt appropriate, I didn't want to go... Christmas without not without without giving you nothing. So without giving you nothing. How many negatives were in that one? Uh, This is why I edit the podcasts as well as speak in them. But yeah, that's going to be coming around Christmas time. And then into the new year, we'll be back onto the normal schedule. We're going to be able to take some time off. Lucas, you've got some time off coming up soon, too.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I'm excited to uh, I'm actually off work this Friday, yay! So I, I, excited things to slow, uh, to a kind of molasses-like pace, mm-hmm. uh, in advance of the kind of the hustle and bustle of the real holidays, like when Christmas gets going, and it's all these family dinners. There's gonna be a little bit of a week where I could. For lack of a better term, chill out a little bit.
0: Mm, that sounds real, real nice. And you certainly deserve it. You've been working very hard oh, this thank year. Thank
1: you so much. As you, as as do you, will as do you.
0: And I and I, and I will be taking some time for myself as well. But I just want to make sure that all of our listeners are taken care of as well, especially those who give us a little something something over there on Patreon. And I want to thank them now as well. People such as Allison Arshambo and Sydney Long and JHC. People like Anthony Williams, people like Emma... And Jeffrey Norris and David Corrales. Thank you to Dear Miss Elizabeth and Derek Watson Jr., Nehemiah Unimook and Alicia. Thank you to Hannah Lee and Scott Ripley. And thank you to our newest patron, that would be Vonnie G. Lovely to have you here, Vonnie G. And thank you to all of our patrons. Patreon.com slash Elwood City Limits. We've got some fun stuff coming up in the new year. Uh, really, I'd say, good idea to be subscribed as early as you can, just so that you don't miss any of that new stuff <sighs> alright, well we, I I kinda, last, last time on Elwood City Limits, I got out in front of it, I wanted to just be like hey, we got a dog and baby episode coming up here, and that's what we have but I feel like it's so much more and yet so much less, so <laughs> let's see we've been trending towards a little bit of the shorter episodes lately. I feel like there's been a tiny bit less for us to talk about. So let's see what we can scare up with this one, Lucas. The episode we are starting with here today, as we are nearing the midpoint of season 19, this is called Carried Away. And right in the opening seconds, boom, alien in your face. Orange, multi-eyes, deal with that.
1: Okay, and and again, these are not... Arthur used to have some consistency with the aliens. We're so used to. Mm. They almost used aliens in the exact same way The Simpsons would use aliens. Where it was the same ones every time. It was the ones that stole DW Snowball. They even kind of looked like The Simpsons aliens. Mm -hmm. But now, I feel like this is the second episode this season. We've gotten an original alien. Um, And yeah, so we get this alien spinning green gunk. And then it's revealed it's actually just a scary movie that the gang is watching. We get some great lines from the gang as everybody, Arthur included, is trying to – it's Buster, Arthur, and Binky. uh, And they're all trying to pretend not to be scared by the movie, but they obviously are. Um, In fact, uh, I can't remember who says this, if it's Arthur or Buster, but one of them is covering their eyes, exclaiming, I've never been less scared in my life. (laughs) Uh, And then they hear a bump in the night. They hear a bump from upstairs.
0: Yeah, and it's not Mister Bumpy. You're tin. They go upstairs to uh, D.W. and Kate's room. That's where Kate and May Lin are. They're playing in a in their little playpen, and Pal is nearby. Which is like, okay, well, I'm surprised that they don't have the babies where they can see them. But you know, maybe maybe they got the parents checking in or something, so they don't hear anything. But when they go away. Arthur Buster Binky come back, come back. No, it's uh, we're we're stuck here with Pal Kate and Maylin and a new character, Lucas. The new character who appears on the ceiling and appears to be the person the thing that knocked over books on D.W's bed. That would be Dr. Yowl.
1: Okay. Now Will. Yeah. I, you know, keep up on your socials. It's not merely a professional relationship. I like to think that I know of your comings and goings. hmm And I've noticed as of late, you've been doing a bit of a Doctor Who rewatch or maybe watching new episodes. I don't really know what's going on, but you've been watching some Doctor Who. Yes. Um, Something that I have very, very, very little familiarity with. I yeah. have, you know, I, I know enough to know... He's got some sort of sonic screwdriver. Mm-hmm. You know, they, he goes on adventures. The phone booth's bigger on the inside. I know the basics. Um, Daleks, yep. or something. Mm-hmm. It's very British. Yes. Um, so much to my surprise, Doctor Yowl. Which, by the way, not a great pun.
0: No. It's
1: not no. really. Yowl is not really a euphemism for who. Like, if I was writing this episode, I'd call him Doctor What.
0: Yeah, but like, <sighs> hmm. If you're thinking of this is and, and and Lucas, you're right. This is what like the second by second reaction to me seeing this as like, oh, this is like Doctor Who, and then he has his own version of the Tardis, and I'm like, oh, this this is Doctor Who. Okay, so you're trying to think of like like it should be Doctor Who or something, you know? Like that's the closest I can think of to Who with like dog related. Yeah, them. if Dr. you want to keep a
1: dog, Doctor Woof.
0: Yeah, Doctor
1: but- Yowl doesn't really make any sense. No,
0: so this this anyway. Yeah, it's Doctor
1: yeah. Who this week, and it's it's. I just think it's a funny coincidence that you were kind of watching some Doctor Who. W- yeah, right. Thank thank goodness you were, because I'm gonna need to lean on your expertise on this one. Okay.
0: No, yeah, it's totally fair, and I was also like, "Whoa, this is like of all the w- weeks to do this." Yeah, so. What's happening right now at the end of 2023 is that Doctor Who, which is, if you don't know, a very long running British science fiction television show, uh, is it came back with three new one hour specials. And what was significant about those specials is that the showrunner that initially revived Doctor Who in around 2005, 2004. Uh, is back on the creative team, and he brought one of the older doctor actors on for these specials, uh, David Tennant, who has been in many other things. And this is leading up to the person who will be taking on the doctor role going forward, whose name is Shudi Gatwa. Anyway, been watching those with my wife. We One of the things that we actually first bonded over when we met each other again in university was Doctor Who. Uh, So it has a special place in both of our hearts, and both of our life stories, really. And even though I haven't watched Doctor Who in years to this point, I watched these specials, really enjoyed them. Uh, Just real nostalgia wash over for me. And I'm excited to check out the new stuff, especially with the showrunner Russell T. Davies at the helm. So that has been fresh on my mind. And then we have Dr. Yowl. Just funny timing that. Doctor Yowl is Pal's cousin who is can turn invisible. So with Dog and Baby episodes, there's a lot of bending magical realism. Not even magical realism. This stuff just gets into straight up fantasy at times, and and which we're doing here. Pal's cousin from the former planet Pluto. He is the. Same breed as Pal, just a little bit older. He's dressed in like a uh, brown, um, what would you call this? Like a Stetson kind of hat.
1: Uh, a Stetson's more cowboyish. It's 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 not quite a bowler hat, and it's not quite it's, uh, it's brimmed a top hat. Yeah, it's like a bucket hat almost.
0: He has a um, he has a scarf as well. Um, yeah. he has. What Kate later calls a magic to chew toy, which seems to be Uh. which seems to be the sonic screwdriver alike, which is the doctor's constant item. And he reveals that he has a spaceship called the Bark Dis, which stands for ballistic astro rocket for carrying dogs in space, which is a takeoff of the TARDIS which is the Doctor's spaceship that looks like a British phone booth. So they absolutely know what they're doing here. So right away, they're asking us to kind of swallow a lot of this stuff of just like, all right, now we're into... We don't even have to pretend that we have a foot in reality with these episodes anymore. Before... We uh, one of our con- consistent complaints about the dog and baby episodes, which, if you don't know, we're really not big fans of, is that it feels like Arthur is trying to be other types of shows, specifically shows like Rugrats. With this one, it's like okay, there's not even the pretense of like this is a dream necessarily. I late, I, I suppose at the end of the episode, Kate and Maylin and Pal are asleep, but. There's no implication that they fall asleep and this is a dream, which Arthur is usually explicit with. This is just kind of happening, and Pal is aware that Dr. Yowl is a distant cousin of his. Dr. Yowl comes from the former planet Pluto, and he takes them in the Barktis on a trip around the solar system. <sighs> And this is this is the ep- this is the episode this is the episode that we're
1: watching. What y- what year was the season again? Will I should really write these things down because I always have to ask you. I, I
0: you know what I'm I it always kind of slips through my mind as well. Season so nineteen. Arthur season nineteen is two thousand and sixteen. Airing in two thousand sixteen. Okay.
1: Okay. Uh, you want to know what was uh in full swing at this point? What's that? A little show called Rick and Morty. There's a little bit of... Yeah. I know it's a Doctor Who parody, but there's also kind of a weirdly... Rick, we're, we're starting to get into the Rick and morty of pretty much, I think, all of animated television, ch- child or otherwise. I think that show was so wildly popular, it, it might even be um, kind of an unintentional influence I feel like everything mm. started to become Rick and Morty for a while and and we're kind of still dealing with that kind of uh, popular culture impulse. You know, there was everybody's talking about their multiverses. Everything's a multiverse these days. Mm. And I think that's actually kind of still fallout from you know the the onset of of Rick and Morty in the public consciousness because this is very much as much as it is a Doctor Who parody the stuff it gets into later on in the latter half of the episode uh, is is very Rick and Morty-esque. Uh, and not to, not to kind of play my cards here, not necessarily for the better, I would say.
0: That's really interesting that you say that. Um, I'm just conferring the dates here. The first season of Rick and Morty, geez, if you can believe it, was 2013. <laughs> it started in 2013. Uh, we are actually we just passed the 10 year anniversary of Rick and Morty's debut. Um so this yeah, this has already been going on. Of course, we know that a lot of Arthur production starts like a year before. So this started airing in January 2016. Uh sorry, in uh, June 2015 and then into 2016. Um there's some inconsistencies on the Wikipedia here I'm just reading, but by then, the first season of Rick and Morty would still have been probably well-known. So that's not outside the realm of possibility that that could have been a an influence on what's going on here. Uh, I will say about Dr. Yowl, certainly could be more annoying. In fact, I actually prefer his British accent to pals. And I think I that's just, I think I it's just because he's, like, an original character. He's not being grafted onto a character we already like.
1: It's true. Like, imagine... Yeah, that's actually a really good point, Will, that, like, Dr. Yao is something... I already had my conception of Powell, and then they kind of recontextualized it, right? Yeah. Um, Like, I'm trying to think... uh, There's not really any other characters that don't speak, that they haven't already given a voice. But imagine if when Kate first voiced... It was Australian, all of a sudden. It wouldn't make any sense, it'd be weird. So... I can see why, you know, Dr. Yowl goes down easier. And also, you know, he's a Doctor Who parody. It makes sense for him to be British. Pal, there's no rhyme or reason to it.
0: Right. It just so happens to line up right here many, many seasons after it was already decided. So they go... The three characters go in the Barkdis. First, they go to Mercury, where the atmosphere is very, very hot. Now, they get past the whole thing of, like, how are the babies and dog gonna breathe in space? Uh... Dr. Yowl gives them space snacks to protect them from the effects of being in space. They kind of taste like chicken. I wrote I wrote in parentheses how can Kate and Maylin chew them? But again, questions do they matter at this point? I don't I don't I don't know. I don't think so. I don't even really care. So, the, they're on Mercury, the atmosphere is very hot. In fact, it manages to cook a bone-in ham that Yowl tempted Pal with earlier. Uh, he kind of dangled it in front of him, and that's what got Pal to go on this adventure. So the bone-in ham is cooked. And then next they go to Venus. And this is where Dr. Yowl left a toy behind that he wants to find. So it's at this point, you know, they went to Mercury first. And it's like, oh, Mercury's atmosphere is very, very hot and inhospitable. (sighs) Then they go to Venus, and he has, like, another fact as they're flying by. So not just dog and baby episode educational dog and baby episode.
1: It's funny. So your kind of art imitates life with this episode is that you were watching Dr. Who and it's kind of Dr. Who themed. Mm -hmm. My connection is um, one of my favorite podcasts, a podcast about list, the comedy podcast. Mm -hmm. I've been doing the ironic five weeks of planets Okay, uh, where every episode has been themed on about a planet, you know, these very ones. And they've been kind of doing this bit ironically, like ironically sharing educational facts uh, about all the planets and writing a song about each planet. Um, So this this was my kind of connection and me feeling like deja vu. Like, where (laughs) have I heard these planetary facts before? And I was like, oh, it's it's from the the pot about lists. Uh, So that's just another weird coincidence this week.
0: Another thing that, in fact, earlier in the season, we had the episode where they go into Brain's Brain, and it felt like a Magic School Bus episode, and in a way, so did this. Listen, Arthur's had educational episodes before, and by that, I mean episodes with explicit educational, factual knowledge in them, and it's like, it's it depends on how they do it, it's just that, as we said before, the the, the joy and the, the secret to Arthur's success is that it's a show that often helps you to learn something and you don't even realize that you're learning it, which is why it does so well with emotional lessons, social lessons. When it's actually talking about like the way the brain works or the solar system, it's like we have the magic school bus for this. We have schoolhouse rock for this. We have other children's shows that have done this and in a more interesting way than this. It just kind of feels.
1: (sighs) Well, especially because the latter half of this episode, you know, during this part, my brain basically shuts down Yeah, as we've talked about time and time again with some of these educational PBS shows, you know, cyber chase, a show that is beloved for my childhood, but actually watching it as an adult is brutal because they freeze Uh, The time stops to do some uh, mental math, Um, but uh, with this episode, the end of it kind of actually becomes pretty compelling, especially if you have the adult context that, you know, Dr. Yao is supposed to be, you know, a hero, much like Doctor Who— and instead, it's kind of twisted on its head. After we do these tours of the planets, you realize Kate s- sneaks onto the spaceship and realize that Dr. Yao has gotten a communique that he's supposed to kidnap one of them and keep them on Pluto yeah. uh, or trick them to never come back to Earth. And this I was like, whoa, OK, now you have my attention because uh, I wasn't expecting this at all. I was like, Dr. Yow is a good guy. Whatever, they're doing this educational tour, these planets, and now the stakes couldn't be higher. You know, it's not often in Arthur we have to deal with, you know, we always talk about episodes, there's a rare Arthur episode, the Lice one, for instance, where we deal in life and death, (laughs) Uh, and this is one where we're dealing with either dog napping or kidnapping, extraterrestrial dog or kidnapping at that, so pretty high stakes for an Arthur episode, pretty engaging stuff. And a interesting twist, like I said, I didn't have Dr. Yao being, in this moment, what I thought was evil on my bingo card. So, from here on out, you know, once they hit Mars, that's when I kind of started locked in again.
0: Okay. So, yeah, they go to Mars. This is where we introduce the Curiosity rover, which is a real thing. And they drive it around and have some fun with that. You're right. Kate hears... Uh, by the way, perhaps I'm using the word communique. I don't hear that word enough. Um she finds out that the Plutonians seem to want Pal to be taken to Pluto, but as the trap is later sprung on them when Kate and Pal go out for a drive in the Curiosity Rover, uh, they really want to bring Mei-Lin over to Pluto. For what reason, we're not sure. Earlier, Kate had stuffed the magic chew toy into her diaper, so they use that to call up the backup bark discs. We also see that, it, like, as in Doctor Who fashion, it's never really established what the Sonic Screwdriver can or can't do. Like, it has... Every once in a while, you run into limitations or things that it supposedly can do, and it's like, oh, okay, well, whatever. That's the idea of just not giving it limitations in the first place. Same with the Magic Chew Toy. It turns PAL green and polka dot colored, uh, which will become important in a second as they use the backup Disc to catch up with Dr. Yowl on Pluto, which is where... Pal's extended family is. The Blutonians are (laughs) the the Plutonians are all the Pal model, but they just have different color and pattern swatches. In fact, you can see it later when you see a bunch of them running at the same time. There are some that have patterns on them that it's like the pattern is clearly in like a back layer of, of the scene because. It's not moving with the character. The character is kind of like passing over it, you know.
1: Yeah, and some shows do this on purpose, like sticking around. Yes, yes. This is where, and I have a note that says, uh, "Where does yeah?" They quote. This is quoting me. (laughs) They've lost me with all the other (laughs) pals. Because at this point, like you said, Will, this is not a dream sequence. We have completely recontextualized Pal's existence in Arthur. He is no longer a dog. Right. He is a British alien that belongs to this dog-like species. And he just happens to be regular dog-colored. Um, and all the other pals look exactly like him, except they have different colors. And it's just like... I'm, I'm at a loss for words to describe why I don't like this. Like, I'm looking at the picture of all the other pals. Maybe it's like a Flash animation thing. It just kind of seems lazy and stupid. Like, yeah. it, it's, 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 it, I, it's, it comes bit, to the new grounds to it. Uh, well, I even think that's doing new grounds a disservice. I, I think like when we ha- are dealing with kind of intergalactic peril and aliens and you could make them look like anything, you know, they made them look like PAL but plaid or like PAL with like a brick layer behind it. Yeah. Like, It just does nothing for me. There's the one pal with the monocle and the mustache, and at least they add a little bit of characterization. Like, that's what they should have done, is had them wearing, like, different outfits or having different themes to them. But instead, they were just like, okay, what kind of color swatches do we have to color these dang pals and they look really dumb when they're all on screen at the same time. Like, yeah. There's something about it. That they're
0: all copy pasted like, in the exact same position. Just that it, mm. it looks like something that you, could, you would make on like a make your own Arthur scene. Yes. Yes. You know, that's on,
1: exactly what it looks like. On
0: pbskids.org or something like which,
1: that. Which is what Flash animation looks like at its worst. Yes. Right. Yeah. There's been a lot of back and forth about Flash, but at its worst, is when it looks like you've pasted these digital puppets onto a scene and you're kind of making them move around with digital puppetry. And that's exactly what this is indicative of. So, you know, props to them for going high concept. Uh, And Arthur has a long history of going high concept and really nailing it and being engaging and creative. This is high concept where I, I feel like they bit off more than they could chew. And this payoff is just so silly. They're kidnapping... You know, Mei Ling, so she could play fetch with them forever. And it's like, that's a pretty malicious thing to do. And then once everybody figures out that's what was going on, they all kind of forgive them. Um, And then that's just how the episode wraps up. It was like, they kind of ask her permission if she wants to go or not. Yeah. And I don't know. But if it was just the narrative through line that was the issue, maybe that would be one thing. But the visual designs of the pals is so kind of yucky Mm. that this whole thing kind of ended up leaving a, a bad taste in my mouth
0: well uh one and one more note about those pal clones is that they are part of pal's family but they all have like different owl names so it's like sal cal and val and you mentioned that there is a different looking dog there it's again a little bit older closer to the dr yowl model and he's got the glasses or monocle or whatever it is and he's pal's Uncle Al. Who gets a couple of speaking lines? I believe it's uh, Bruce Dinsmore. He's doing a something that sounds similar to the Dave Reed voice. So yeah, they wanted Maylin there so that they can all play Fetch. But as a compromise, they transform the Mars rover into a Fetch machine so they can all go back home. And yeah, they just kind of forgive them. The episode ends with Buster, Arthur, and Binky finishing the movie. They're still a little scared. Uh, they go back into the room. Kate, Pal, and Maylin are asleep. Binky takes Maylin home. And Kate says to Pal, Pluto had everything you could want, Pal. In saying that, like, he could have stayed there. And Pal says, everything except you, Kate. And I just rolled my eyes. Like, save it for a different episode where you didn't just do all the things you did. Anyway. And now a word from us kids. <laughs> I believe it's Marley and his third grade class, since Kate and Pal and Maylin were learning about the planets, they're learning more about the planets, and their project is to create commercials to convince people to visit whatever planet they're working on. Uh, rare sighting here, it looks like we're in a private school based on the kids' uniforms. Usually, we're at like a local Boston area public school, but... Uh, Either it's a public school with a uniform policy or, my guess, is a private school. Um, when they were doing a little activity at the start here and they were asking the kids the names of all the planets, I gotta give props here to these kids. That girl, that girl said Uranus out loud and nobody laughed.
1: True. These are like the most mature elementary school kids I've ever seen. I gotta give props to the guy who... Uh, is talking about Mars. Um, he's really kind of giving it in his presentation. Yeah. Um, he's doing this thing where like his eyes are like bugging out and like vibrating. His he's making his pupils vibrate with excitement uh, at talking about Mars.
0: And yeah, there's a couple of funny uh, presentations that we get into that a bunch of the kids have their planet and they summarize it in a jingle. So there's two kids working on Jupiter. And they say, "Go to Jupiter if you like storms." But up, but up, but 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 but. a little, little jingle there. Uh, this girl who's working on Venus says, "Venus, Venus, so hot it's cool." And the Mars kids, uh, one of them says, "Call five 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 Mars to book your vacation. You'll never want to leave." I don't know if I've ever said this. I liked this Word From Us Kids segment more than the episode before it.
1: Damn! Uh, You know what, Will? I think we're in agreement. and, And, like,
0: legit, I found this very entertaining. Like, I thought these kids were fun. I thought that was an interesting assignment. I also learned something. I wrote down this fact. I did not know that Jupiter can hold 1,300 Earths. I didn't know Jupiter was that big. Or maybe I did at one point, but I didn't know it now. So I felt like I learned something. So props to these kids teaching me something and outdoing Arthur itself. Supporting this podcast is how it keeps going, and it's very easy to do. So here's how you can do that. If you're listening to this show and want to get the full back catalog of Elwood City Limits and all of its sister shows and offshoots, you can listen on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, and even more services. You can also go to our YouTube page, youtube.com slash Elwood City Limits for the full back catalog. If we aren't on a service you use, please let us know. You can interact with us on social media. We're on Twitter, at ECL Podcasts, podcast, Instagram at Elwood City Limits and twitch.tv slash elwoodcitylimitspod for our occasional streams. We're also on Facebook and Tumblr. Feel free to reach out to us on social media, or you can email us, and your email might be right on the show, elwoodcitylimits at gmail.com. Finally, for exclusive content including entire side series like For the Kids, a PBS Kids podcast, and ECL Origins, subscribe to us for as little as a dollar a month at patreon.com slash elwoodcitylimits. That's all for now. Thanks a lot for listening, and now, back to the show. And now, back to Arthur! And the second half of this episode is dueling detectives, and... I I think, in the past, we've generally been okay with the Detective Watteau character, which is Fern's take on Hercule Poirot. I'll just be honest... When it started off and it was like directly with Detective Watto, I was like, oh, because we just came through the story that we just talked about. And I kind of didn't want to see Detective Watteau right this minute. You know,
1: it's the Britishness. Will. there's too <laughs> many fake British accents. We well, it only takes so much.
0: That's true. Uh, uh, Bastings, who is Detective Watto's accomplice, is. Uh, British, but Watteau was French, so I don't know, I just kind of wanted to I wanted to get back to regular Arthur here and I was I was afraid for a bit the whole cold open is in the Watteau universe, I was afraid that the whole thing was going to be in the Watteau universe, but it's not, thankfully so, Detective Watteau is remembering a case of the disappearing dummy that she did one time, where she's trying to find Bastings' dummy in this universe it's called Wallace instead of Wally but Bastings hired the Grey Dove, who is Binky, and Watteau's nemesis to solve the crime instead of Watteau. And that's the conflict we have going into this. We do come back to the Watto universe every now and then. We're intercut uh, to mirror the story going on in the Arthur universe. Um, not much to say about that. I I think I've made a point about this before. Because the gray dove, A.K.A. Binky, is also French, as Watteau is, and I just love listening to Bruce Dinsmore's French accent because it sounds like good. <laughs> you know, for for an actor who lives in that part of Canada, the uh, of who is French Canadian, I, I appreciate that. This story does have to do with Wally George's puppet being stolen before he is to go on at the PTA variety show. However, Fern was at a dentist appointment when this happened, so George wasn't able to call on her detective skills, so he charged Binky with the investigation, which is very annoying to Fern. Now, Binky is in this because he got a junior detective kit for his birthday. So he is decked out. He looks like a he looks like a bobby on the beat here. He's got he's got his hat, his police hat. He's got like a walkie-talkie on his shoulder, a flashlight, He's got a pair of handcuffs. It even looks like he has a, a taser, like a, a, a fake taser, but still.
1: Well, I gotta say. Yeah. I I got a problem with this. Okay. You, you ever hear the phrase "If everyone's special, no one's special"?
0: Oh, frequently. I love the I love that part of the Incredibles.
1: If If everyone has a detective alter ego. Hmm. What's the point of characters having a detective alter ego? Right. Okay. We went from Fern being a detective, and then we had Buster being a detective, and then we had George being Fern's sidekick as a detective. Mm-hmm. I feel like Prunella has done some detecting in her time, and at this point, are we going to just stop until every single oh, uh, uh Brain has done detecting in his yeah, time? I think you're right. Uh. It's getting to be lazy
0: because these
1: detective episodes, I think so because if the detective episodes, I feel like, you know, it gives you the excuse to use some age old writing tricks. There could be a a little bit of a mystery, a MacGuffin. You got to figure out, you know, who done it, which is fine, but I don't like them. They're doing it now with every single character in the show. And at some point it makes the character seem less special. Like, One of the things about uh, Fern being a detective is that it made so much sense with her character. Yeah. You know, she's into detective literature. She's an admirer of of Sherlock Holmes. She's kind of gothic. She likes poetry, you know, things that would fit in that time period. She's obsessed with the macabre. Mm -hmm. Um, It really does make sense with her. You know, Buster also, to an extent, you know, he he's very imaginative. Though even Buster, I, I felt like that was one too many. And now with Binky, you know, we love Binky. And Binky's cop outfit, I am getting a big kick out of it. He's got his whistle. He's got his taser that's crazy. He's got handcuffs. <laughs> but it doesn't really make any sense. There's nothing about Binky that makes sense that he would want to be a detective. In fact, everything we know about Binky's skill set is not necessarily something that would make sense for him to be good as a detective. You know, he's an immaculate dancer. He reads at a high level. But he failed the third grade, yeah. right? Yeah, You know, his powers of deduction have never been his strong suit. Um, and that's why we love Binky. There's a lot you could do with the character because it's different than all the other Arthur characters. But everybody having a detective alter ego, when they're in detective mode... They all kind of become this nebulous glob of the same character. Yeah, you know George when he's a detective is just kind of doing Fern with a British accent. Yeah, Buster when he's a detective is just kind of doing Fern. Same with 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 the brain. No, 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 no. no,
0: I just I want to push back a little bit because Buster Baxter Private Eye was there before Fern was as Watteau, Mm. and Buster's whole thing is that he's a he's a, a like a film noir detective. It, like a hard-boiled hard detective.
1: Uh, that is true. It, it's distinct. Um, absolutely. And I think those are the two best ones by far is is Buster Baxter, Private Eye, uh, and Fern. And, and Buster's always makes sense because he's got such an overactive imagination. Yes. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. But this, it's like, at this point, I feel like they're going to make a detective episode with every single Arthur character. Yeah. Uh, and I would rather, you know... Maybe there's other works of genre fiction we could tackle in these characters' imagination. Totally, Let's do another episode with B- Biggie as a pirate. You know what I mean? Yeah, or um, or
0: something. And like or something. Well, and we've done a lot of episodes in Arthur that were based around a mystery, especially earlier episodes. You think about the one about the mysterious hand, or um the the one with well the one i'm thinking of is uh, the first buster baxter private eye episode but even that one the mysterious hand that is a mystery story that doesn't have a detective character in fact binky is at the forefront of that story but he's not taking on a detective persona so we don't necessarily need to do that for yeah i think i think you make a really good point uh lucas and it does kind of like it doesn't take away anything it just doesn't really add all that much so we've got Fern. Well, I, I would, yeah,
1: I would say, in my opinion, it actually does take away something slight in that mm. I think Fern's detective character really made her unique. And if you're yeah, going to tell okay. these type of stories, mm-hmm. I like them to tell it with Fern. And I think it dilutes Fern. Yeah, when we kind of have other characters, we could tell these stories with.
0: Yeah, you know, no, I I, 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 agree with you. I agree with you. That's actually a really good point. I hadn't, I hadn't considered that. So, yeah. Anyway, we've got this story here where Fern slash Watteau suspects Binky slash the Gray Dove was actually the person who stole Wally. She's trying to follow him around and prove it. While Binky's trying to crack the case, at one point, Fern sends Binky on a literal wild goose chase. She uses the term wild goose chase, and Binky takes it literally. So that's how Fern distracts him, and he goes to look for a wild goose. (laughs) Little note here. So... They mention how Wally was in a room uh, in, in his little kind of trunk in a room and the kids were with the teacher. Mrs. Fink. Except they don't call her Mrs. Fink. They call her Miss Fink. So remember a couple of episodes ago when we had Miss Brian and now she's Mrs. Brian? So Mrs. Fink is now Miss Fink. Do you think she got divorced?
1: Is there yeah is there like a a kind of wave of divorces hitting Elwood <laughs> City Elementary or
0: you let, let me let me let me scare this up out of whole cloth maybe Mr. Fink left Miss Mrs. Fink and is now Mr. Brian You know what I'm saying
1: or maybe they're, they're going to love this one on the discord <laughs> It's 2016 will Yeah maybe Mrs. Fink And Mrs. Brian. Ooh. We're dating. Okay. We're
0: married. Could could be. Although, yeah. I mean, they're still calling her Miss Fink. So it's just like it denotes a separation of some type. Anyway, I just kind of noticed that. I'm sure they didn't think about it that hard, but I just thought it was funny. This ends up, this whole thing ends up uh, with Francine... Coming to Fern and admitting that she took Wally out of his box and kind of messed around with him, but didn't steal him. When George was coming back, she kind of laid him down, so somebody put Wally somewhere else. Amidst all this, Binky handcuffs himself to Fern so that she doesn't uh, get away or try to escape because he suspects her in turn, but he loses the key. So they're stuck together for the rest of the episode. After they go on this little bit of a, not so much a chase, but they are running to solve the case after they kind of crack it together, they figure out that it was actually Mr. Morris. We've seen Mr. Morris all around this episode. Mr. Morris took Wally, and he thought that he was one of the kindergarten toys. So he put Wally in the kindergarten classroom, which is where he still is. George recovers Wally and does the show. At the, the he does the PTA variety show. He even gets his own little like um sandwich board sign, which they must have he must have really been like a big integral part of the show. And by the end of the episode, Burn Burn and Finky, geez. Uh Fern and Binky are still handcuffed together because Binky had a hole in his pants where he put the key. So did they get out? Probably. I don't know.
1: <sighs>
0: okay. Uh Lucas carried away what'd you think
1: not a fan no. um no it's it's i mean again it got my attention when i realized that dr yao was turning on them i thought that was pretty interesting <laughs> yeah that, that. i
0: i I, fa- I found your reaction to that interesting because it 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 really didn't do anything for me so i'm glad that it well, okay, got you back a maybe- little bit
1: is this because... Does Doctor Who become evil randomly in Doctor Who? Maybe this is maybe I'm misunderstanding the benevolence of Doctor Who. Does that um, happen kind of
0: often? I, I'll just say probably. There's probably... <laughs> this show's been on since the 60s, and I certainly haven't seen all of it. I'm sure that's happened. I'm sure that's happened even in the seasons that I've seen and since forgotten. So I'll just say, sure, probably.
1: Um, But besides that, like... I don't know. It's it's kind of the worst that Arthur has to offer in that the episode mm-hmm. is visually ugly. It's plot wise annoying, and it does kind of, you know, you and I fan, you know, you and I will. We're fans of of media. We're fans of of things like TV shows and mm-hmm. cinema and. Yeah. There's nothing worse when they make a new thing and it ruins the old thing. Mm. Because you you always you, you have trouble enjoying the old thing the way you did because the new thing has recontextualized it. And this rewrites it retcons pal from becoming Arthur's beloved pet that he adopted from happenstance to an alien from Pluto who's a part of a race of aliens whose names all end with al it's like his name's not pal because he's arthur's pal his name was already pal yeah like the stuff that this changes about the arthur lore sorry to sound like listen will we're two grown adults with an arthur podcast so i'm not <laughs> going to be ashamed to complain about the arthur war here that's the purpose of this whole thing right okay yeah yeah the stuff that this does to the arthur lore is unforgivable and it's so annoying right um so this is kind of Even when Arthur episodes are bad, they're usually interesting to talk about, but I I would go as far as to say this is about as bad as an Arthur episode could be because it wasn't just boring or insulting of my time. It annoyed me. It made me angry, Mm. which Arthur almost never does. So two thumbs down to carry it away.
0: Well, it's a type of annoyance that... There have been, in the run of this podcast series, there have been a lot of episodes, that maybe not a lot, uh, certainly a few episodes that we've watched where we've been upset or angry or annoyed at something. Whether it's a character that we're meant to be annoyed with, whether it's the repetition of a story they've already done but not as good, whether it's something to do with the animation, this time it was very much just... I kind of can't believe that they made something that's this poor. And I don't, I never, ever intend to be insulting to the people who created this show because obviously we owe them quite a bit by our existence. So the animators, the writers, I never want to be the person who is trying to blame them or to be excessively negative towards them because when it comes down to it, I don't really know a lot of what that job entails. I'm just kind of a dude on the internet. So without ascribing blame, I just wanted to say that this is one of the worst Arthur episodes. <laughs> and I can't imagine that if you put this up against, like, a, so many of the other ones we've already watched, there's almost... I. Every Arthur episode is better than this one. Like, it, I can't... This might be the I worst
1: episode of Arthur, yeah. It
0: might be. Like, I can't <laughs> summon to mind ones that I disliked more than this for whatever reason. Like, there are ones that I disliked for different reasons, probably more intensely, but just the boredom that this inspired, the way that I felt that it was talking down to even its young audience and Lucas your point about how this changes pal in the canon now that aspect surprisingly doesn't bother me but the reason it doesn't bother me is the problem where i just took that all in and was like yeah this doesn't matter whatever like immediately i was just thinking this isn't like this isn't real this doesn't count as an episode you know if we're introducing a space dog that is in pal's family that is a Doctor Who parody, then this ba- this doesn't even feel like it's real. This episode doesn't even feel like it exists in the Arthur universe. It just feels like n- nothing. It feels like nothing. And so I don't even get annoyed at it. I just kind of feel tired about it. And I also don't want to be the person who is like, well... Arthur was so much better when I know that I'm very guilty of that from time to time when I talk, especially about like season one or the earlier Arthur seasons. And that is my nostalgia. That is my bias. But I also we
1: really enjoyed we really enjoyed, you know, last week's two episodes.
0: Yeah. And and, and I want and I want to make that clear of like I'm not leaving this as an indictment of modern Arthur or at least modern compared to, you know, seven years ago or whatever. This is, not, this is certainly not writing off Arthur where it is right now. It just kind of sucks and didn't enjoy watching it at all. And there's not really anything I enjoyed about it. And I still somehow remain hopeful that there's a good dog and baby episode before we finish this series. But man, if this is as low as it can go... My hope wears thin, is all I'm saying. And honestly, Dueling Detectives I didn't find to be a lot better. We we raced through that episode because I really didn't have a lot to say about it. Now, I, it's it's better than Carried Away because I am just mild on it, I suppose. It's whatever. The Watteau character, I'm starting to get a little tired of, and Lucas, I, again, want to say, I think you made some terrific points about why that is, and I think you might have even tapped into, like, a little bit of, like, latent feelings about this, or at least brought to light, like, something I hadn't considered before about Fern's detective character and how we're beginning to dilute it, and I can definitely see that happening. It just felt like a story that we've done before, more interestingly, again, I, I think it was also not helped by the setup of the potentially the worst Arthur episode we've ever watched. And then I'm just like, ugh, like I'm just so out of it. I'm so bored. I'm so like want to be done watching this for this week that I'm just like, I don't care, whatever. And it just feels like another Arthur mystery story that doesn't deliver as well as the better ones do. And this is... I think the first time in the podcast where I can say the Word From Us Kids segment was the best part of this episode. And I <laughs> and I mean that in the sense of, as I said before, I think that Word From Us Kids segment was really fun. But the everything around it, under-delivered. And while this one didn't under-deliver as much as the first one, I still don't really care for it.
1: Yeah, weirdly enough, Will, I, we're in agreement here. I do think the word from us kids say it was the best part of the episode. And, and in some sort of twisted logic, you know, carried away, it's not so bad it's good, but it's so bad that it's, like, notable. Like, mm. I remember carried away yes. because I was, like, in awe of how much <laughs> it was making me angry. Yeah, yeah. Dueling detectives, in a way, is almost worst. Mm. Almost worse, rather because I literally could... I just watched this episode, I couldn't tell you a thing about it. I have, like, three notes written down. It, it It's done a disservice by being paired with Carried Away, because I think I was already in a sour mood by the time Dueling Defensive Detectives got going. But it really is just, like, there's nothing going on here of note. There's really nothing to talk about, nothing to kind of hang on to. The... the... Kind of reveal in the mystery that it was the janitor cleaning up the toys is not a satisfying reveal. Um, and it's not necessarily kind of, you know, alluded to in a way where we could have put it together ourselves, like in some of the more fun Arthur episodes, uh, the mysterious hand, that kind of stuff with the mystery. Yeah. Um, the whole thing was just kind of a big, kind of like, just kind of like a dud. Um mm-hmm. which is is almost worse because I had fun talking about how much I hated carried away. <laughs> there's nothing there's no fun to be had getting into dueling detectives. Like you will. I was just kind of waiting for it to be over.
0: This I think this might be the worst Arthur episode front to back <laughs> that we've ever talked about, which wow. in a way is notable. <laughs> I like when we started this, I was like, I don't even think we're gonna be really talking about this for very long, but this is getting on to be the longer one of the longer episodes we've had in the last little bit. So I'm glad we were able to make some hay out of it. Um, Yeah. So sorry to kind of end this on a bit of a negative note. But what I am glad for is that we have one more ECL episode coming up before the end of the year. So hopefully that one is going to deliver a lot more. And that's going to be coming up next week for patrons and near the end of the month for the free feed. So one more before we start our little holiday break here. And, yeah, let's let's cross our fingers and hope that one's going to deliver for us. Thank you very much for listening to this episode. Hope we didn't bum you out too much with this talk. And, of course, as always, we love to hear from you about what you thought about the episode we talked about, about the podcast itself, anything. Remember, ElwoodCityLimits at gmail.com. You can talk to us on socials, and if you're on the Patreon, you have access to the Discord where Lucas and I frequently are and love talking with y'all on there, and we can definitely talk about this episode as well. We've got the uh, ECL Origins list coming up that's going to be on the Christmas weekend. I think it's going to be on the 23rd. Uh, That's going to come right after the last ECL of 2023. And that ECL episode is going to be Buster Isn't Buying It and One Ornery Critter. So let's cross our fingers and hope that that one can leave us in a little bit of a better position than we're leaving today. Lucas. Sorry if this kind of left you in a bit of a sour mood, but there's all we're in the we're in the season where it's all about positivity and light and all that good stuff. Will,
1: will, 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 will. Little do you know, I'm a hater, and so (laughs) sometimes I love to hate. I'm actually in a great mood, and I had a great time talking about these terrible Arthur episodes with you.
0: I'm a bit of a hater too, so I feel the same way. But anybody who is not as energized by hate as we are, uh, hope that you have plenty to keep you happy as we inch closer and closer to the big day. If you're celebrating Hanukkah, happy Hanukkah to you, and to all holiday celebrations going on right now. Thanks a lot for listening to Elwood City Limits, and we'll see you for one more before the year is over. My name's Will Young, and for Lucas Mancini,
1: Sweet mother of dogs, that's a big ham.
0: We'll see you next time.